But the Baltimore Ravens season officially more than halfway over. We talk about players on the roster that must step up in the second half of the year. All that and more coming up next year on this episode of Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host here with you, Kevin Allstriker of Ravens Wire. Of course, you're with you on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Thank you so much for being here with us on this Purple Friday and making Locked On Ravens your first listen each and every single day. We are free and available on all podcasting platforms. That includes over in video form on YouTube and wherever you get your shows in audio form. Today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by Prize Picks. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash lockdown NFL and use code all overcase lockdown NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Here with me is our Purple Friday guest, this former Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Super Bowl champion, Kadri Ismail and Q. The Ravens right now are seven and two. And if I had told you before the year, hey, you know what? Nine games into the year, this team would be seven and two. I think we'd both be pretty happy with that. I think we'd be happy. Um, I think we'd be ecstatic. Yet at the same time, it is weird because as this season has kind of unfolded, the two losses stick with me just simply because so when they lost to Miami and Kansas City and the Bills and they no, actually they beat Kansas City, but they lost to Miami and the Bills and they had these big leads and they were just blowing these fourth quarter leads. It was like, oh, my God, like this team, what is it this year? you kind of got this this feeling of like a, a clean team. What I mean by that is you just see this, you know, suffocating, dominant, communicative defense. You see an offense that Lamar Jackson is in just full control of, of the entire offense and what he wants to do and how he wants to do it. And they're beating themselves. It's not like the other team is just coming out there and, and just setting the tone. They're beating themselves. So, you know, you're like, you got Gardner Minshewed. Like, what the brick? And then you look at, you know, Kenny Pickett, who his, what was his ribs or whatever, and his foot and all kind of things that was bothering him in Pittsburgh. But, you know, as much as T.J. Watt had his his uh, his great game and uh, his counterpart had the strip sack and all the things, and it wasn't them. It was the drop passes. It was the missed opportunities that plagued the Ravens. So, they played extremely well on the road. Otherwise, um, they they had a crazy weird schedule of going to London, taking care of business, coming back, playing at home, then to go back out on the road uh, to play against Arizona. Then you come back home. And so all of that, their focus, their uh, their their ability to to rally together as a team is what I think has helped me just feel the love of this team. And I think the other, you know, people in in, in the, the flock feel the same. It's like, you know, this is a, a different team. This is a special team. So seven and two is more along the lines of like, man, we could have been nine and oh. <laughs> that's, that's just the, the greediness of us all. But I think at the same time, it's cool that they recognize 
you know, those two losses are losses that they should have had. And for me, Kevin, it's they know they can't take it for granted. Yeah, what they're doing this year is definitely special. Four-game winning streak, obviously, a very big, I don't want to say exclamation point, because hopefully it's not over, but it was definitely a statement against the Seattle Seahawks, 37-3. to That's just against a really good football team. You can't ask for much more outscoring. Both the Lions and the Seahawks in back-to-back home games, 75-9. to But we're halfway through the season. Well, now more than with the whole 17-game schedule thing. It makes it a little difficult because there's not really a halfway point. It's just a little bit under and a little bit over. But I think for the most part, you got to feel pretty happy about how most of the roster is performing. But there are always some players that need to step up a little bit more. Maybe expectations coming into the year were super high, and they just haven't lived up to those. Now, two really interesting guys, Q, play your position, your former position at wide receiver, Odo Beckham Jr. and Rashad Bateman. I'd say probably based off of the expectations. And again, I don't think anybody expected Odell to be prime New York Odell, 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns. But I know both guys, Beckham and Bateman, suffered injuries early in the season, missed some time. But they're both starting to, at least on tape and on film and even in highlights, look better. The route running, they've moved Odell into the slot a little bit. I think that's helped him out. What's kind of your read on Odell and Rashad Bateman right now? Yeah, I think you're spot on with your analysis. The fact that they're getting more and more comfortable. Um, you can just see it in Rashad Bateman. Like his ability to accelerate, and we saw that in the Arizona Cardinals game. And you know that was what a jet sweep that you would think Zay Flowers would be the guy to do it, but it was Rashad Bateman, and and he accelerated past some dudes. Um, that was impressive. But then he follows it back up. And I think for Lamar, he's probably kicking himself because he's like, man, I missed two opportunities for deep balls uh, to Rashad Bateman. Like Rashad was like sent on some go routes. And, bruh, like I've, I've been there. I've done that. I've seen what, what happens when you, you know, you kind of accelerate. You get that acceleration. Like you just feel good. And you ran right by the defender. So ultimately for him – it's the, the comfort of knowing that I'm healthy. It's the comfort of knowing that I'm confident and making different cuts. Um, he's making difficult catches that we already knew he could make. Um, but then at the same time, you look at Odell Beckham, and and Odell is in a position where you kind of saw that feisty, fiery kind of side of him after they got back from London. And you just saw this guy, like every time he got up, he was really demonstrative in a positive way, like for the team. But I think for him, it was like, yo, man, I really want this. Like, let's do this. And that attitude was like, whoa, I think is is it's it's that leadership, it's that desire. And of course, in the Arizona game, there was people who, you know, don't understand passion, don't understand, you know, uh the desire to compete and and be you know, uh, a, a strong contributor to winning football. They saw him throw down the helmet. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, Odell, what are we doing? No, that's that's passionate. I want to play. I want to make plays. He wasn't pointing it at anybody. He was just frustrated that he's getting held and there's pass interference calls and all that. But, man, like for him to, for his birthday and the way he set it up, for him to go out there and Snoop of all people was really cool to see him throw him that touchdown. But his route, Kevin, I'm telling you, like it was 
as beautiful and just clean of a route as it gets. And that's one of the harder routes to run in a confined space. And he just, he looked like Odell of old. He looked like that guy that was a 1,200-yard multiple touchdown receiver. I think this is is going to bode well. And this is what, you know, I was hoping for. You know, as the season went on, you know, guys got healthy and got better. And we're, we're starting to see that. Yeah, so I think you could say that definitely both those guys need to step up more, but I think they're on their way to doing that, especially with some of those points you mentioned. But one really interesting player cue on this offense is Ronnie Stanley. And when you talk about the Ravens' offensive line and how good Ronnie Stanley's been over the course of his career, it's a little weird to me to say, well, on this offensive line right now, the weak link seems to be Ronnie Stanley. Now, the injury that happened all those years ago against Pittsburgh – that's never an easy thing to come back from, especially the severity that that ankle injury was. Multiple surgeries, multiple years missed, but doesn't seem like he can drop his anchor as, as well anymore. Got beat by Boye Mafe on the Lamar Jackson strip sack last week. Got bowled over by Leonard Williams. I think Ronnie Stanley has had some great moments this year, but also some really bad ones. And I think this inconsistency from him is just new. It hasn't really happened with him because he's been so good for so long. Yeah, you know, and, and I'm not... I'm not going to give him a pass only because of this. Like going into that game, you know, this is a defense that was as stout as stout can be. Um, you go back to the Pittsburgh game, you look at the way, you know, the strip sack happened. It was because he opened up his shoulders really bad and, you know, just opened up the gate and off he went as far as uh, the bad technique. And I think, again, you know, when I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, this defensive front, I mean, there's some ballers out there. This isn't, you know, some some slouch, you know, defensive front. But, again, he is Ronnie Stanley. And, you know, he is the one who set the tone, rightly so, and, and it's okay that he set the tone as one of the more dominant left tackles in all of football. That's great. But it is disappointing that, unfortunately, we're seeing him, you know, get beat the way he's getting beat. If there was a guy that I would say, yeah, you know, I'm a little concerned about, it definitely is Ryan Stanley. Yeah, so I think he also just, again, good moments, bad moments, but definitely I think not what we're used to. So if he could step up, that'd be really key too. But come up in the second part of the show, we're going to wrap up the offensive side of the ball. Players who could step up with a good one for Q. You don't want to miss that. Also move into the defensive side of the ball too. So be sure to stay tuned. A lot to get to on the show. But first, this episode is brought to you by Prize Pitch. And if you're looking for daily fantasy sports, Look no further than prize picks. Prize picks is the most fun. So many of having up to 25 times their money this football season. All I have to do is like two or more players, pick more or less than the projected stats in place or entry. With basketball season here, there's a really exciting opportunity. You can pick now combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league. So that's a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players in different sports or leagues. Maybe you're a LeBron James fan and you want to take the LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey combo at a 10 and a half combo with three pointers made and receptions. And you can play along some of some of prize picks favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz. You can now find the community plays under the promo tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Price Picks community each week. And plus, Price Picks now offers a really cool reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. So, for example, for football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and doesn't return in the second, that player is rebooted. Price Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. 
So be sure to go to pricepicks.com slash NFL and use code LockdownNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's pricepicks.com slash LockdownNFL. Use code LockdownNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Pricepicks, daily fantasy sports made easy. And this episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. And we spend a lot of time talking together. You and I, we get fired up together for Ravens wins and losses, who starts and who sits. And I'm really thankful for the communities we've built and the connection that we have. And today I want our chat to be a little more personal. Now with Jace Medical, you can get a one-year supply on ED medications. You realize what that means? You can bring it on the extended travel, bring it on the next natural disaster, a supply and chain issue. You are covered, my friend. You don't have to worry about whether or not you can refill your generics for Cialis, Viagra, or Viado prescriptions. And this is possible because of our friends over at Jace Medical. You can go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember to use promo code locked on at checkout for a discount as well. And a verified customer had this to say recently about Jace saying, I'm thankful for this service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut pills and have to have it. And or I ordered most of my daily meds with a year supply. I also ordered antibiotic kits. I feel secure now. Prices are lower than local pharmacies. I highly recommend this for everyone. So if you or somebody you love would like to get some peace of mind by having your supply of any daily med, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember to use promo code locked on for $20 off your purchase. We're back our second segment, Locked on Ravens. Kevin Allstriker still here with Kadri Ismael. And you're probably wondering, what, what did I mean at the end of that first segment when I said I had a good one? I want you to talk a little bit about your main man. And I think you know who that is. Mr. Charlie Kohler himself <laughs> and, and Isaiah Likely. Now, with Mark Andrews, the Ravens are set there at tight end. But I think expectation-wise with Likely – I, I don't know. I thought he was going to be used a little bit more than he has with Kohler. I mean, he's the third string, so you can take it, take what you will with him. But with those two guys, were you expecting more based off of what they've done this season? I'm okay. I, I did my meditation just now. <laughs> I'm in my Zen. The chi is flowing. All of those good things because you just messed up the whole show. <laughs> I I think for both guys, yeah, I did. I had high expectations. Certainly, I thought, you know, Charlie Kohler, the way he played against Cincinnati late in the year after missing the majority of the year with his uh, foot injury. Obviously, Isaiah Likely uh, literally coming in and, and, and playing strong and solid with a new offensive coordinator that likes to use the tight ends. I thought that this is a great opportunity for two young players to really kind of establish themselves. And they had strong training camps. So everything was trending towards like, yeah, this, this is going to be good. They are going to be good. Let's do it. But unfortunately, what we wind up getting is an inconsistent, you know, drop, uh, 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 blocking assignment error. Um, just, just this, the, the play that doesn't line up to the expectations and, you know, other guys can probably have a low like a Mark Andrews and having a bad Pittsburgh game, but you're still depending upon his resume and what he's done. They haven't quite established themselves. And it was interesting because earlier in the week, John Harbaugh was like, yeah, you know, I could read Isaiah likely, you know, he, 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 his body language says it all. You can see where he was, you know, kind of, you know, frustrated and a little bit down on himself because he wants more and he wants to, you know, contribute more. And I obviously he had a chance to catch the ball. And even, you know, Charlie Kohler had a, you know, great special teams tackle, but he also, 
has been in on a lot of the jumbo packages and, and doing a lot of blocking and blocking extremely well. Um, both of them, you know, if there was ever, you know, guys that needed to to step up and, and say that, you know what, this latter part of the year is going to be my my time, my games uh, to, to kind of establish myself. You know, it's it's that it's 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 them putting themselves in that position um, to show up and to show out. Uh, it'd be great. And I think that they got the talent to do it. Yeah. And I know, again, with Andrews there, it's not like you need likely or Kohler to go out there and, and be the guy in that offense. But I think I was expecting a little more in terms of production and you know, production goes both ways. I think they both have had their plays, but offensively, I think they're starting to find their stride now defensively. This unit has been on fire since the beginning of the year. There's been no question they're the best defense in the NFL right now. And you look up and down the defensive unit, there aren't a lot of guys who you could say, well, this guy needs to step up or this guy doesn't. But there are a couple that maybe I had more expectations for that haven't necessarily lived up to those. And it's not all a bad thing. But I think one guy cue is Broderick Washington signed the extension before the season. And not like he's been bad. I'm not saying he has. He's been fine. But he he has a sack this year, 11 tackles, but he hasn't really popped to me necessarily. I, I don't really know what the expectations you had for him were. I mean, Justin Matabike has been balling out, but what's your read on Broderick Washington? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I think if you look at the way he's been able to play, Kyle Van Noy, you know, gets in there, strip sacks, and then all of a sudden who's there? 96. Broderick Washington goes in there and, and is part of that. Uh, fumble uh, recovery and the whole flow and, and getting in the groove. I think at the same time, when you look at what he did when they were on the road against the Cleveland Browns and the Cleveland Browns, what did they do? They love running the football, being physical at the point of attack. And he handled his business there. Um, but you're right. I think when you look at Beak, as they like to call him, he's been just spectacular. And, and right now, I mean, clearly on a Pro Bowl pace, but he's definitely in the, the conversation for all pro considerations. I mean, no question about it. So, you know, you got this big light shining on the defense and just the way they've been able to play. I've seen at times where Michael Pierce has been like Johnny on the spot, run stuffer as well. Um, obviously, you know, uh, the, the, the edge guys as far as Adafi Owe and – you know, obviously, just David Clowney and, like I said, you know, Kyle Van Noy. I think they've all been able to do what they do. But that interior of Matabike, Pierce, Washington, and, and you know, Travis Jones, I, I think they've all they've all done their roles and they've done it well. I just think that the light shining on Justin Matabike is just so bright that, yes, I could see where Broderick, you know, there's kind of like, well, wait a minute, you know, are, are, are you playing? Are you doing? Are you all right? Are you hurt? What's what's up? But I have, I, I mean, when I look at the film and I see him, I, I see a guy that, yeah, I might be occupying two guys. That means Roquan is able to do what he does. I might be, uh, you know, responsible for pushing the guard into the center. So now all of a sudden here comes, you know, Patrick Queen looping around and getting the sack or, you know, a guy's coming off the edge and they can't turn protection or slide protection the other way because of my presence and of my play. Yeah. And again, I, I don't want it to come off as I'm saying Washington's been bad this year because he hasn't. He's been fine. But I agree with you where I think Justin Matabike has just been that special this year. He's been that good this year. 
where the spotlight is on him and, you know, the other guys are doing some dirty work and they're contributing to the defense, but they're not having the Matabike breakout because that's where everybody's focused right now. But cornerback wise, Q is another interesting one to me because look, we went into the season with Marlon Humphrey out with the foot injury. They were, they were banged up at that position entering the year. They moved Brandon Stevens back there. He's been great. Is that second third of the Marlon Humphrey, but a lot of people expected that to be Rocky Asin and Rocky Asin has barely gotten playing time. And it's not like it's a new thing from the start of the year. He really hasn't been getting playing time. And again, I don't, I'm not saying that he needs to step up because I mean, Baltimore has their corners right now. Arthur Millette's playing awesome. We know about Marlon and Stevens, Ronald Darby's given them some solid snaps this year. I mean, in, in the event of an injury, of course he would, but I don't know. The expectation was they signed to that $6 million contract. He's coming in to be a starter. And really, he's relegated to special teams duty, if anything, right now. He needs to step up. <laughs> don't, 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 don't color this one. He needs to step up. I think, uh, you know, you're right because of Arthur Millette. I mean, that dude has stepped up to the point where they're like, yo, we're going to send you to get to the quarterback literally every game. Like the last, I don't know, four games, four weeks, they've been sending him off the edge. And um, that's been a, a bonus. You talk about, you know, Brandon Stevens, Brandon Stevens. My God, man, like applause, applause, applause. Like, wow. Like, I want Rocky Sin to step up, but at the same time, Brandon Stevens has stepped up. Like, he's earned the right to be in this conversation as a starter, period. But then you also look at, you know, you said Ronald Darby. I think it's just a scenario where for him, it's like, hey, you know what? If I need to do what I need to do, get in there be a, you know, a, a part of whether it be nickel, dime, whatever, so be it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do my job, and, and off I go. I think Rock has done that as well. We saw as far as, like, late in the game where, you know, the defense kind of settled in. They knew they were going to win, and, of course, you know, that's where Rock Shane kind of got in and, and played some. Uh, and, and, you know, it didn't play bad necessarily. It didn't do anything that was like, oh, my God, you know, what is he there for? But, again <laughs> – I'm like, mother of pro, y'all did all this noise when it came to Marcus Peters and, you know, not re-signing him and all that. And then all of a sudden you got Marcus Peters getting pick sixes, you know, and, and looking really good in Las Vegas. And Rock Yassin just looking like a guy. And and I'm hoping that, yeah, Rock Yassin turns it around and, and, and shows up. But for right now, you know, you got to really say that the, the bigger picture is uh, – this secondary is good and 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 solid and strong, but let us say who needs to step up, Rock your sin. Yeah, there was a whole thing about Peters versus Yassi, and could you bring both in? Could, was this going to be one of them? I know we talked about that, Q. Peters has had good and bad moments in Las Vegas, but Yassi really hasn't done much of anything if at all with the Ravens so pick six is not a good moment that's an amazing that awesome, is it you're right yeah game changing moment so what did rock do yeah yeah I you're mean right. we're talking apples to apples we're you know he got signed because why he was supposed to be the guy and, and you know the free agency thing I'm not railing on him I'm just spitting it out there and, and saying what it is his play is like, where is it? Um, whereas, you know, Marcus Peters starting and playing and doing. So that is something that, you know, you look at Brandon Stevens is balling and 
I mean, I don't know if we're going to go to the safeties. We can go to the safeties. But just strictly speaking, as far as corner is concerned, you know, Rocky Thin hasn't really been that guy. I think all the safeties have done a good job. I mean, Mar- Marcus Williams, I guess the injury situation leaves something to be desired, but he's been awesome when he's been on the field. So it's not like he's playing poorly and injured. He's just, he's had some bad injury luck and it's been, it's been, I don't know, nullified, I guess is the word I'll use because Gino's playing so well is the interceptions leader where you want Marcus out there, but it's interesting. And the final part of this in the show, Q, I want to ask you about what they're going to do with the safety position because Marcus Williams appears like he's going to be back against the Cleveland Browns to talk about how they can utilize him and preview that game and a lot more coming up next year on Lockdown Ravens. First, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And it's the end of the year. We're coming up on that right now. And for me, I look forward to the holidays, but there can be some seasonal blues in there as well. This time of year can be a lot and it is natural to feel some sadness or even anxiety about it. But adding something new and positive to your life can counteract some of those feelings. Therapy can be a bright spot. I mean, all the stress and change, something to look forward to, to make you feel grounded and to give you the tools to manage everything going on. And there are so many people who have benefited from therapy. There are plenty of things that can come of it, whether it's learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries, can even empower you to become the best version of yourself. And it's not just for those who've experienced major trauma, it's for everyone. If you're thinking of starting a therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash on today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash on. We're back rounding out On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker is still here with Kadri Ismail and Q. As I kind of alluded to at the end of that second segment, the Ravens have a good problem on their hands with Marcus Williams, Geno Stone, and Kyle Hamilton. Now, I think with those three guys back, now I'm assuming Williams will play against Cleveland. But maybe they, maybe they want to take the cautious approach and say, we play two games in five days. We don't want Marcus Williams doing that right now. We're going to rest him against Cleveland to be safe and then play him against Cincinnati. But regardless, when Williams comes back, how would you utilize those three guys together? Because I think all three deserve to be on the field and be on the field a lot. I'm telling you right now, like just looking at the list, not that Marcus Williams shouldn't be applauded for his efforts to, to, to get out there on the field clearly pectoral muscle, the hamstring and all the things. And, you know, the breakdown, obviously, even last year, going back to his, you know, wrist and all that. But Kyle Hamilton and Geno Stone, from the way they have played, in my mind, like mother of pearl, like Pro Bowl safeties, period, end of discussion. Marcus Williams is kind of in that rock your sin category where it's like, man, we need you to step up. I'm not saying that he can't and that he's not talented and all that, but I still got a bad taste in my mouth after the Pittsburgh game where you just saw him, you know, just because of the injury, he shouldn't have been out there. And I just haven't seen anything moving forward from him. Whereas I have seen two guys that will go to the Pro Bowl, Kyle Hamilton and Geno Stone. So if you want to go ahead and say, well, what are we going to do with the three safeties? Two guys that are Pro Bowlers back there going to be on the field. I don't know. Arthur Millette is balling. 
just as well. Getting to the quarterback, doing extremely well as far as his assignments are concerned. So you talk about three safeties. I don't know. But there's two guys that I'm seeing on paper. One of them just so happens to be leading the league in interceptions. That means that homeboy has been in the right spot at the right time at the right moment. Last I checked, Kyle Hamilton, he's like, bro, if you need me to go ahead and just come down in the box, I'll come down in the box. Not only will I come down in the box, but I have rushers on the sideline while I'm in the box, and I'll come in in this ninth minute and make the play while the rushers who are designed to be in the box and designed to be run stuffers and pressuring the, the quarterback, they're on the sideline getting some Gatorade. I'm up in here balling. What's up? Because the confidence level that Mike McDonald has in him. So, two guys, pro bowlers. What were we talking about with Marcus Williams? Oh, he needs to step up. Wow, that's bold, Q. That's a bold one. Because I think, look, with Williams. Pro bowlers. you you. I, I think Geno Stone, well, Kyle Hamilton, honestly, might be an all-pro. I think he's playing that good. And you can make an argument for Geno Stone, too. But for me... I, I think maybe what you want to do, because you, you're you're going to have a hard time playing base because you want to keep Roquan and Patrick Queen on the field. You want to keep Arthur Millett on the field in the slot packages. But then with the three safeties, is it some sort of a rotation? But then G, where Geno Stone deserves much more. It's almost like the Keaton Mitchell thing, to a lesser extent, honestly, with Keaton Mitchell. But Keaton Mitchell earned more playing time with his play against Seattle in Week 9. Well, Geno Stone's earned more playing time the entire season. So do you move Kyle Hamilton to, like, a box, like a dime linebacker type role? Do you just bring him off the – I mean, there are so and many – That's where, to, to, to your point, because that's a very good point. When he was in there, for example, um, I think it was uh, – was it Seattle's tight end? I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think it was either Seattle's tight end or was it Detroit's tight end? I think it was Seattle's. And all I know is both of them were really good, but he locked them down and and took them out of rhythm. And so that's where, again, you, you can afford to say, oh, y'all going to go big. We'll go big in the secondary. Bring in your third guy, but Kyle could play tight to the line, play your tight end, or check this out. Now all of a sudden – you think I'm playing your tight end, come off the edge. He's already shown he's a good run stuffer, but then he's also shown that he can get to the quarterback as well. So there's some little details there that I think, to your point, makes it even more dangerous because of his versatility. Yeah, they have so many different packages now they can run, whether it's pure base, three safeties, heavy secondary. You can do a lot with this defense. Now, some situations, a guy's going to be left out because they have so many good players on that side of the ball, and you can't put everybody on the field at once. And that's Kyle Hamilton and Geno Stone <laughs> are pro I'm, bowlers, and we're talking about first team all pro candidates. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how it plays out 100%. I Arthur think it, Millette is balling. <laughs> all I'm saying is Marcus Williams, that pectoral and that hamstring better be on point. I don't want to see where he's just half in it, half out of it. We need to see that dude be ready to go because if he's ready to go, fine. Now we have a good issue, good problem to have, all those things. Until then, Geno Stone is leading the league in interceptions. 
Yeah, I think he got to be 100%. And you you have that luxury for the Ravens to make sure Marcus Williams is 100% good to go because it's not like they're bleeding points from that position. Geno Stone has played at that. You talked about global level. So we'll see. I'm excited for it. But let's talk about this Ravens and Browns game a bit, Q. Week 10, Ravens are 7-2, and two, Browns are 5-3 and three at this point. If the playoffs started right now, all four AFC North teams will make the playoffs. Last time these two teams played, Deshaun Watson had the shoulder thing about an hour before kickoff, hour and a half. Dorian Thompson-Robinson gets to start and looked like not, not a quarterback that was ready to start in that game. Now, it's a little different now that Deshaun Watson is back. Cleveland's defense is still great, but Mark Andrews has dominated Cleveland over the course of his career. Lamar Jackson's had plenty of success there too. This is, I think, these are the top two defenses in the league. I mean, how do you see this one shaking out? You know, it's interesting too because going back on my notes, you got to remember the injuries that that Baltimore had themselves, and it wasn't like they had a full, healthy offensive line. Um, so Miles Garrett, you know, he he was he was Miles Garrett, but yet at the same time, um, you know, they they held their own. They held their own really big time. I believe Tyler Linderbaum was out of that game as well because of the high ankle sprain. Um, so Ronnie Stanley, we say he needed to step up. I think, you know, Miles Garrett's going to be testing the hell out of him. And as Todd Munkin said in his presser earlier in the week, we got to be really mindful of Miles Garrett and hopefully he won't play because I was like, man, talk about, you know, huge compliment. That's like, you know, back in my day when it was Reggie White who – you just you had to know where he was on the field at all times. Um, but with that said, yeah, the, the Ravens, they got a, a better run game. I, I, I like what Justice Hill did. No question about it. I think it's even better when you got a three headed monster, um, you know, to, to, to really complement one another. You're absolutely right. You talk about Mark Andrews being a, a strong uh, you know, performance the last, what, three, four weeks. Um, ever since, you know, the Titans game. But then I also look at, you know, the way in which we talked about in the first segment with, with you know, Rashad Bateman and, you know, OBJ. You know, like I, I think this this offense is starting to click and starting to gel. So it's going to be formidable. Obviously, it's a division opponent. Obviously, you got the better of them. They're going to show some wrinkles. What are your wrinkles? What are your, what are your, 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 your plays that you have in – that they can't necessarily anticipate you doing and be successful at. Yeah, I think this one, I'm going to go close. I'm going to go 24-22 Ravens. What do you got, Q? Yeah, you know, when I'm looking here, I, I just think it's 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 the Ravens. It's a division opponent. I think that they – I think because of the running game, I think because of the red zone production, whoo, man. I think if there was a score, I think because it's Deshaun Watson, I give him the benefit of the doubt. I'll say they put up, you know, 18 points. Uh, but I think the Ravens, I think uh, there's a determination factor from Lamar. I say they it's 30-18. Yeah, a good divisional game coming up for sure. Again, two top defenses. We'll see how the offense is fair. Hopefully Baltimore can continue the momentum they've had over these past two home games. And they'll come out of this thing with a win. Five-game win streak and move to eight and two. But, Q, I appreciate you again. Thank you so much for hopping on with me. And, again, hopefully next week this team is on that five-game winning streak heading into a huge Thursday night matchup with the Cincinnati Bengals. 
It's going to be crazy, short week, but at the same time, looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm excited. So we'll see what happens. I appreciate everybody for tuning into the show today. Again, be sure to subscribe, follow along as well, video form, audio form, wherever you get your podcast. Coming up, we'll be right back here on Sunday after the game, talking about everything that happened in that Ravens and Browns game. So be sure to stay tuned. I'll see you right back here then on Locked on Ravens.